Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Villa have attacked the transfer window with the signings of Bubakar Kamara, Diego Carlos and Coutinho. On this episode, I'm joined by Neil Dunworth from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast to review Villa's signings and look at some other players who he'd like to see at Villa Park. I started out by asking Neil what he thought of Villa's transfer window so far. I'm really excited about, about the business they've done. I think everybody should be as well. And, and, and the reason being is that the whole of European football was kind of standing in there, scratching their head going, how the hell are these guys getting out of the block so quickly? You know, what, what? like we, we caught, we, and, and I have no problem saying this, we caught the majority of the continent of Europe sleeping. Hmm. Um, with specifically with, I think with the capture of Diego Carlos, which everybody kind of says, oh, getting getting Camaro for free is a great transfer, and it absolutely is. But I think there was donkey work done there. I think there was hmm. twelve months worth of work of of uh, enticing him, of plumossing him is the word we use here in Ireland. Plum- I I I <laughs> in these Irish words, and I forget that they're not. They're, it's not a universal <laughs> language, but it's yeah. like we courted him for quite a while. And what what makes me believe that is that. You remember that kind of that video of Baltimore Heat when Kamara came and Stephen Jared went over and shook his hand and said, "Where's your dad? Where's your dad? I must go down and talk to your dad." Mm. Like he knew all these guys, he knew yeah. all his family, and he had done the donkey work of going in there. And 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 for me, I think that uh, you know that's really exciting to see that Aston Villa are in that's in that situation. We even have now team, you know, fans that are are, are kind of wondering who the hell are Aston Villa and why are they shoving out their elbows here mm. and getting, getting chirpy in a queue, you know? And that's a good good place to be because, um, you know, you don't want to be that plucky old, um, you know, kind of has been the, that some people saw Aston Villa as. Now we're pu- puffing out our chest again and with the signing of World Cup winners and Coutinho, with the signing of, uh, you know, real up-and-coming stars like um, like Kamara and then also, you know, somebody that is really well admired in, in a in a what I'd probably call an un an unglamorous position of centre half in Diego Carlos. Mm. I think we'd be very proud of the work we've done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, really well put. I, th- I think uh, Kamara, particularly when you see him sort of just starting for France as well in centre midfield, um, twenty two years of age, coming in from Marseille. It's just I was really surprised we got him to be honest. Particularly when you saw him mm. linked with clubs like Atletico Madrid. So very excited to see what he does. But um, for you yourself, I mean, which of the new signings we've got uh, excite you the most? Well, Kamara definitely excites yeah. me the most because we did, we have no other player who can do what he can do at the base of that midfield. If we do go playing with a base of midfield, we've nobody who's shown a propensity within the Premier League to be able to be an absolute workhorse and to and to touch the ball 70, 80 times a game. And that's what really kind of, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm really excited about with Kamara is he's shown it in Ligue 1. He's shown it for France even in the internationals. And Didier Deschamps has had... Um, entrusted him to be that main pivot player and he seems to just look and search out for that work with the ball at his feet along with being able to tackle as well so I think that one for sure but you know it's it would be a very close second that would definitely be 1A and 1B for me certainly would be would be Diego Carlos from mm-hmm. the point of view that um, he's just a nasty man you know he's gonna <laughs> okay. he's gonna kick you up in the air and, and while I yeah. love the Love the flamboyancy of some of of, play, of, uh, of players, and you love to see flicks and tricks, and you love to see people doing their job well. Sometimes just an agricultural, robust uh, defender, no matter where they are in the field, can really get people off their seat too. And I think Diego Carlos is like that. Um, but for me, 
you, like Kamara is is a statement signing. Yeah, like absolutely. it's even more of a statement signing than Coutinho because people were really caught off guard with that one. Even though we at Aston Villa, we us Aston Villa fans knew something was brewing there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll focus on Kamara first, I guess, before we get to Carlos. In, you know, we've been screaming out for years at Villa Park that we needed a CDM. We needed a CDM. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the Villa in centre field have looked quite easy to overrun over the, over the last few years, at least. Um, do you think Kamara solves that? And do you think he can kind of help other players as well in the sense, let's say somebody like Matty Cash getting further forward, maybe Kamara might be better at sort of protecting him in behind if, let's say, Cash is caught further forward or someone like Luca Dean. Do you think that Kamara can really help Villa step up, basically, as a, as a player? Um, yeah, well, I think I think he'll bring the most out of a lot of players that we don't expect him to bring the most out of. Mm. Um, I, I think... I think the way the like the the covering into the channels the villa did with with McGinn and with with Ramsey, I'm not sure that they're going to do that as much next season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure they're going to do that because I think Camaro will be entrusted to kind of. I'm not going to say, um, you know, kind of push back into that back three and make it make it a back three. I just I don't think that that's it's going to be as obvious as that. But I think Camaro will be that person there. We will um, push people wide and we will defend our box like we have done previously. So I don't think we're going to be filing players into those wide positions as much as we did last season. So therefore, I also don't think that Matty Cash and Luke, well, Matty Cash and Luke Dean will always be attacking attacking forces when we're in attack. But I think it's going to be very much a case of, okay, if you want your name and lights, you're going to have to get back as well a, a bit more. And I'm not really too concerned about Matty Cash doing that, but I am concerned on the opposite side from Luca Dean. Mm. I spoke to a I spoke to a, a guy who wrote, writes for Total Football Analysis, um, Fintan, um, Fintan O'Reilly, yeah. on, um, on, on Bubakar Kamara. And he said one of the areas where when AVB was over the team, now he said one of the areas that he kind of felt Bubukar Camaro was not managed the best was when he was isolated and he had to patrol sideline to sideline almost on his own. But then again, that was two years ago and he's he has matured an awful lot from there. But um, so it'll be interesting to see what Steven Gerrard does. But I definitely think having that that pivot player where we can actually go infield an awful lot more. Um, within on that 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 defensive um, attacking midfield third, as opposed to having to go wide and then bring our pivot player almost in as a Coutinho on the attacking third when he was getting swamped because we had no other person centrally that could that could potentially take the ball. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to see a massive. There's going to be a massive influx of creativity then in and around the middle of midfield, but also allow our fullbacks to go forward as well. Yeah, it's massively exciting to think what he might do, and you know. Players like Jacob Ramsey have already shown so much potential. Mm. Last season scored a lot of goals, got a few assists. You sort of think, you know, what could he be capable of with a player like Kamara, perhaps filling in some of those defensive duties? And McGinn as well, who obviously always seems to score more for Scotland than he does um, for Villa, largely because of his defensive output for Villa. Um, but, you know, um, aside from Kamara, we've mentioned as well um, uh, Diego Carlos. Mm. Now, looking at pictures of Diego Carlos, he looks like somebody who... Um, He's pretty tough, isn't he? I wouldn't want to get into a into a wrestling match with him or a, an arm wrestle, any of that. I don't think no. I would be winning that. Um, so you know, he's he's got you know. In an interview I did about um, Kamara, I heard he was he had some similarities to Pepe, who was quite a quite a mean defender mm. for Real Madrid. Um, Villa for a long time have been quite a, a, you know a lot of ex pros have talked about going to Villa Park and it being a nice place to play, and a lot of away teams have good records at Villa Park, United, Tottenham in recent times. Mm. Do you think somebody like 
Diego Carlos can finally make Villa Park a place that is not fun to come to? Do you think he's somebody that adds a little bit of bite that maybe Villa just haven't had for quite a long time? Yeah, I, I do. I do think that. And, and I think this, I think it's been sadly missing, as you mentioned there. I think it has been sadly missing, not having that enforcer type person at the club. Like I'm, I'm even trying to think, I'm, I follow Aston Villa since like 92. And Same. I can't remember a massive enforce. Ron Vlaar was hard as nails. Yeah. But was that just our song for him? Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I can't think of somebody who booted someone up into the sky. Sean Teal used to be able to boot people yeah. up into yeah. the sky. Um, but I don't remember us ever having that real big enforcer. Carla, uh, um, Carla Sanchez was brought in to be the enforcer, um, but it never really happened. And yeah. um, yeah, so I can't think of it. I can't think of, of, of a real hard man. That was uh, the, in my tenure sporting Aston Villa, and historically we did have them. You know, you would think it like of Alan Evans. You think it like, and just watching back the the eighty two documentaries, you know, um, mm. and and before that, you know, you players like Andy Gray was a hard man, yeah. um, uh, Rambo McNally was a hard man. But it seems to have in the Premier League era, we don't. I can't, and I'm sure people are screaming at the screen, going, "Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly." Yeah. <laughs> Wilfred Boomer or someone like that, yeah, 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 yeah. off the top of my head, I can't think of it, and I think it's been sorely missed because there's leaders who lead by inspiration, there's leaders who lead by doing, and uh, while I don't think Diego Carlos is going to be captain of the team, you know, everybody can appreciate somebody who's going to put their body on the line for their team, and uh, and that's that's quite important to have there too. Yeah, and you know, obviously, it raises questions about who might um, partner Carlos. Uh, for Sevilla, he played on the left side of uh, the centre-back pairing with Jules mm-hmm. Koundé, um, and they were the best La Liga defence last season. I think considered the fewest goals, at least. Um, do you think, if, if he were to play on the left-hand side of the defence, you would assume then that would mean Mings is dropped, is dropped to the bench. But do you think it'll be Mings and Carlos or Carlos and Concert? If you were to imagine how it yeah. might go this season. For me, for me, it's Mings and Carlos. And yeah. I know that Carlos has been playing on the left side. He has, excuse me once again, he has, uh, for, for Nanti, played on the right side. And this is something that uh, I kind of tried to get into the weeds on, but I didn't put anything out in it because I couldn't get definitive statistics. But when you talk to people about it, they all say, oh, he's he's as adept. And while, yes, it, it, it's like he didn't predominantly even play. Seven Kunde weren't even predominantly left and right. For Sevilla, it was a case of, um, you know, needs must. I think mm-hmm. in, in in that instance there. So I don't have any I don't have any qualms about him playing in, as a right sided centre back. Um, and also once again, you know, he could be somebody that when we do filter back into a three at the back, he could be somebody that maybe just plays centrally and mm-hmm. and and tries to dictate the play from there when Kamara comes back, as opposed to maybe having Kamara um being uh being as that man who steps back into the centre. Um, it would allow Diego Carlos to do that, but I, I don't. See, I, I think it's I think it's Tyrone Mings unless we go and we make another blockbuster signing in centre half, which I don't envisage us doing. I think a lot of our money will be devoted to sorting out that central midfield and getting number eights in. Um, number eights, I think even plurally. Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, to see if we do make any more central defensive uh, additions, but uh, I think it's Mings. I think it's Mings and Carlos for sure. I just don't think you can go from being captain to being dropped completely, yeah. you know, over especially over an off season because and and also when when Kanza is out injured and we we're not going to really see him until September, I think that would be incredibly harsh at Tyrone Mings. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, Carlos and uh, Kamara both add a bit of tactical, fle- tactical flexibility. Kamara can drop into a back three, as can Carlos. So, mm-hmm. And they add that uh, quite a physical presence as well uh, in that sort of central area, which I think Villa, I just feel like we've been lacking for a few years. So it's, it's nice that it's been identified and they've attacked it so quickly in the transfer market to get that rectified because obviously there would be a lot of competition for those two players um but you know if we look around elsewhere on the pitch for Villa and uh, you mentioned the number eights there as well actually um is there any way you think Villa still need to improve and are there any particular players you would love to see Villa kind of maybe go for or anyone that's caught your eye I, I actually think we need to improve on all, all three lines I think we need a new left back not a new left back, apologies, a new backup left back, yeah, or at yeah, least yeah. an auxiliary left back. I think that's, and I think that is something that will be looked at. Um, I think we need at least one new number eight, depending on who's who stays or who goes. And look, I'm going to take a Wiley Old Fox in around the box, or I'm going to take somebody who's more of a true striker than a workhorse, like mm-hmm. we see in in Danny Ings and like Danny Ings and, and Ali Watkins. Don't get me wrong, and and I've done loads of pieces on strikers this season, and and their stats don't shape up favorably towards other strikers, but. You know, it's I'm looking at those from the point of view of solely can this guy put the ball in the back of the net? Is he a born bred striker? Does he is he the guy that wants to open up the back page and does he do a dance around his kitchen because he sees his name in lights? And I don't think we've got that type of striker. So I think that I think and they don't grow on trees either, believe me, you know. But um if you had somebody who was maybe a bit more selfish up front, then then either of those two guys, I I think that, that would be beneficial. But but I I hazard I would hazard to guess who Aston Villa would be thinking at in that aspect. Um but I do think if I was to if I was to throw out a couple of names, I would love Zinchenko would be my would be yes. my personal favorite. Yeah. Um a lot of people when I, I, I brought up his name, I did a podcast on it, and a lot of people were saying, Well, he's not going to usurp. Luca Dean and that's fine that's brilliant I don't want him to I want to I want Ukrainian Zinchenko and Zinchenko is a central midfielder converted to left back just because Pep Guardiola didn't have people there in that left back position then they bought more in a central midfield position and now Zinchenko one of his reasons for potentially wanting a a move is not just for for full-time or or to be playing full-time but it's also he wants to move back into that central midfield position I found some really good tape of him when he was with UFA I think it's how you pronounce it UFA Um, in in the Russian league and he's only like 18, 19 years of age and my God, if if you were to play that tape for people now, they would be saying spent 50 million on him, like he's just outrageous and you see him playing for Ukraine, he runs the show in midfield for Ukraine Um, and people automatically think, well he's not good we already have a six now, Kamara he's not a six, he's a definite eight and he's just a guy who's who is willing to roll up his sleeves and do a job at left back and then got got put into that rotation at left back for Man City. And to be honest with you, he's done it pretty well, even though even though he has, you know, o- over the years, you, you could probably point at him and say he hasn't tracked back enough in this area or whatever. But the guy is really good. So he'd be someone I, w- I would be very much um, uh, in favour of. You've seen yeah. Conor Gallagher being linked today. Conor Gallagher, I think, is very similar to the Aston Villa midfielders that we have already, mm. which isn't a bad thing. A lot of people think that's a bad thing. But if you think about... The, the tactical stability of being able to take off a of Jacob Ramsey and still having that ball carrying ability of, yeah. of Connor Connor um, Gallagher or taking off him again and still having that pressuring ability of a Connor Gallagher, you know, yeah. that still is um that that's still beneficial too. So I think that I, and I do think that he is somebody on the radar. It's just like it's a link that won't go away now yeah. over the last two Get or three months. And then I think just depending on where Cameron Archer and Keenan Davis end up, I think we might see the the controversial man from Uruguay maybe rock up into because until he signs for another team, it's going to be Aston Villa. Um, Aston Villa are going to be in the mix for him. Um, yeah. And 
that's that's definitely going to polarize people. Um, but uh, as I say, it's uh, it's one that until you see him on the pit, on the pitch holding another team's shirt, um, you know, Villa are always going to be going to be linked with him. Um, so I, I think they're the three main areas really. A fox in the box that can take they can take the weight off our strikers because if if Cameron Archer is loaned out. Um, a midfielder, a number eight, if not one, I do think I, I, I personally would want two because I don't think his sense on as much um, is going to be here next season. Yeah. And I think that one of the two, I think our wingers, you see Trezeguet, Bertrand Traore, El Ghazi all being linked to a place that w- w- moves out. And I think you kind of need to consolidate that that number eight room. And because I, I also believe that Kearney Chukwemeka is going to be used in, as, a, as the third ten. Whether I, I agree with it or not, uh, considering how he played for England, uh, England under 19s in that in that number number eight role, but uh, he, I suppose he has versatility there. So I think I think midfield would be the, the main area that we focus on, but we could have a bit of fireworks up top and a bit of uh, and some left back business done as well in between. Mm, yeah, I love the Zinchenko I mentioned. Yeah, he's a fantastic sort of versatile, very intelligent player. I think yes, um, intelligent and- is exactly how I describe him. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, a real like a player who looks like he's putting in a lot of effort, and sometimes that kind of can seep through a team as well. So, uh, yeah, I'd be a big fan of that. I think if it, if it were to ever uh, to happen. Um, but you also mentioned Cameron Archer, and I know you've done a lot of interviews um, uh, about kind of our, our, our lone players last season. The Villa U team obviously is extremely exciting at the moment, as exciting as I've ever seen it, to be honest. Um, is there anyone you think? Um, might break through into the first eleven next season. I, I know Archer is probably the most likely, you'd say. Archer for sure. Yeah, I think uh, obviously Young Tim would have been my would have been my big uh, would have been the, the next big bet. I think they're best and like they're just so so high in him. But I think Michael Beale is going to continue his development at at, not at um, QPR. I think yes, yeah. it seems to be more or less a, a, a given now that that's going to happen. I think myself that uh, we will see. You've got Kane, Kessler, Haydens, and uh, and the likes that are are going to be in around the team. But I think Ben Christine. I, I can't pronounce yes. his surname. I've never I've never <laughs> gotten a definitive note to pronounce his surname. But I think he's going to be the next man up. And I think yeah. even though we spoke about like if and that's why for me Zinchenko becomes a really. I would almost quote to say is that Aston Villa should be ringing Manchester City. If he's going, if he's thinking about going to Everton, and I know he's got a real big link with Mikelenko that's there. I know the two of them are best mates, um, and that could be something that's driving him towards Everton uh, mm-hmm. from that point of view. But I, I would be banging on the door for Zinchenko if I was Stephen Gerrard because what would happen is even if he is playing so well in that six or in that that eight position in midfield. You've got somebody like Ben Christine, Christine, Christine. How uh, somebody needs to tell me how to pronounce <laughs> yeah. it because I'm so yeah. conscious of yeah. it. Um, that he is, he's going to be there, thereabouts. I think this season he's been on the bench. Ashley Young hasn't resigned after there was the clamor that we were going to get, going to get that contract done, and mm-hmm. he can still learn behind Dina. And if thing, you know, we always still have the opportunity to have Zinchenko pop in there if, if needs be. You know, if Christian can't can't step up to the mark there, but I think that he's definitely the next person, um, next person on the up and up, uh, within Aston Villa. Uh, it's 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 really it, another person that that I think has kind of really gone under the radar this year, and he had a pretty decent loan spell out in Carlisle was Brad Young, and I just don't know where they see him because I yeah. think he might have been very much a Dean Smith favorite. Yeah, I just don't know where this like we've heard nothing of him. He's been completely and utterly, um, in the wilderness. So yeah. he'd be somebody interesting to look at there considering he was so prolific for the 18s what last year two years 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's so fun to be able to go through all these different names and like all of them believe that they could have like a good career in professional football. I mean, it's such, mm. so rare to see so many names in a youth team who have such potential. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, Kane Kessler-Hayden as well um, at MK Dons and Swindon last season uh, absolutely tore it up. And uh, it sounds like there might be another loan for him, but he'll stick around with Villa through pre-season, I believe, just so that Jared can have a closer look. I th- I think and, and it was when I was doing my loan watch and these guys I think there was they, they made they all made this really good point that I never really copped before that you tend to see a lot of loans ramp up after the first round of the League Cup is over, mm. um so oh, yeah. Premier League teams tend to use these guys in their first prim- in provided that they don't draw another Premier League team that they mm. tend to use these guys in their first League Cup fixture. And then the loans happen then after that because the first round, the second round are done and mm. the third round then of the League Cup doesn't happen until what, mid-October, November sometime in, in around there. So they get to see these guys in a game against professional, uh, against non-23s 20, or 18s or whatever, and then mm. they make a decision then on, on, on loaning them out. So I think that we would see, we may not have a vast, massive exodus of, of loans until maybe the end of August or until yeah. after the first League Cup game is played. Yeah, that's a good point. That's something I haven't thought about as well, actually. Um, but a- another one as well, of course, is Louis Barry. There was a lot of hype mm. around Barry, you know, with his Barcelona background and all that. And uh, But, uh, you know, struggled at Ipswich, I think, probably for no reason of his own. I think it was just that Ipswich signed so many strikers after he came in that it was always going to be hard for him to get game time. Whereas at Swindon, there were some signs. He had a good goal scoring record in League Two. And yes. one, one of them goals he scored was absolutely fantastic as well. So hopefully another loan for him next season will really see him develop. And maybe Swindon is the place or, I don't know, maybe somewhere else might pick him up. Um, but, you know, um, aside from all the youth players, we've also had quite a bit of transition this summer with um, Neil Critchley's coming from Blackpool and Michael Beale uh, has gone to QPR. Now, there was a lot of talk, you know, when Stephen Gerrard joined from Rangers that Michael Beale was like the brains of the operation almost. Um, I'm not... I'm never too sure that it's a coach is really the brand's operation. I think it's a collaborative effort, really. Um, but uh, Neil Critchley, um, you know, I know, I know again you did an interview about him. Um, thoughts on him? Um, is it a bit like El Ghazi and Trezeguet, that substitution, you know, Critchley and uh, Beale? Is it like, you know, the same person coming in, basically? It, it, it's an interesting dichotomy that the two of them have because they have been like ships in the night in a lot of their uh, in, in a lot of their appointments and such. Uh, obviously, both of them being through the Liverpool under twenty three school and coming up through that management structure uh, and so on. I think obviously Critchley has been able to take his so Beale is at the stage now where he's able to take his mindset. He's able to move and and see if he can be the number one. The thing was Critchley was being a very good number one um, while he was out at Blackpool, and obviously this. This once again, I talk about catching the footballing fraternity cold and sleeping. This one caught everybody sleeping. I, I mentioned it in a podcast kind of as a throwaway saying, oh, wouldn't it be great if Critchley hadn't been appointed as, as Blackpool manager? Because I think he, he, you know, the continuity from his footballing philosophy coming from Liverpool under the 23s, who haven't worked with Gerard before, having worked with Michael Beale, it would be a seamless transition. Then all of a sudden he was signed. I was like, I have no idea. Because we thought it was originally going to be... Um, Oh gosh, his name escapes me. Mike, the the assistant manager at Blackpool that was going to come in, um, and and his name just completely and utterly escapes me. His surname does now, but then it was Neil Critchley, and everyone was like, "Wow, this is the." And you have to you have to think it is a very good good appointment considering that he was getting quite good reviews 
as a, a full-time manager based on what he did in turning around Blackpool, bringing them from League One to the Championship, and then yeah. against all odds, bringing them to a 16th place finish with a young team. And I think yeah. that that's one of the reasons, that's the remit that he's been brought in with is, all right, we're not going to continue to spend $100 million every season. And I think this is probably the last season where we're going to blow um, close to $100 million or for, for a season or two, specifically for not in Europe. I think it's going to be a case of, well, now young Tim, there you go. Now Carney, now uh, Cameron Archer. Let's see if you guys can can propel us up the league or at least pad the pad the areas that we need you to pad. Um, because the club just can't keep spending the cash that they're spending. And, yeah. and I think that's a conversation for another day, but it's yeah. definitely a conversation that's needed. Yeah, um, it, it's amazing how Villa sort of get these things done so quietly all the time, so effectively. Yeah. So it's quite a well-organised, well-run ship, I guess, really. You know, Critchley coming in. It was a day after they all left, a day or two. Yep. It was just, I was just mind blown by it, really. And particularly getting a, a manager of a team coming in, you know, from the championship is very rare. I can't think of too many examples of that where they've left their managerial role and then gone to be an assistant. But uh, it's a great sign, I think, for Gerard and the appeal of him, probably. But, you know, we talk about Villa being very quiet, uh, getting things done quietly. Are you expected any more kind of surprise transfers or maybe another outgoing or two this summer? I think you always have to expect a surprise transfer since Danny, since, but realistically, since Perslow has been here, I think you have yeah. to, uh, like, nobody knew anything about Wesley signing. Remember when we signed yeah, him and all of a sudden yeah. it was like uh, Villa are really close to a 20, 22 million pound deal with Club Bruges or whoever it was for Wesley. Everyone was like, who the hell is he? Then you find <laughs> out he's got one leg longer than the other and he's got an amazing backstory. He's another guy who'd probably be coming back to the club as well. And maybe somebody, and definitely is somebody who has to, to, to prove his worth. Um, I think there will be a surprise. I think there's somebody out there that none of us are thinking about, or maybe that there's somebody out there that might have been tentatively linked, um, or there, we'll have a scenario or a situation whereby there'll be a player that Aston Villa would have been out on, and then all of a sudden he signs, and they'll, you know, because Villa tend to do that. They tend to be in for a player or be, be linked with a player. It goes quiet, and then all of a sudden Villa are the guys to sign him again. Mm. Same thing happened to Camara. Atletico Madrid looked like it is a nailed on deal. Villa came in and Villa got him in the end at the end of the day. Um, like the same thing with Diego Carlos. Newcastle United looked like they were gonna they were gonna just come back and sign him again because they more or less had him in January. Then he rocks up at Villa. And I think it's okay to do that to Gazump teams. So we I think we will see a bit more. Um I think we'll see that more ramp up from next week onwards as the players get back in the building. Yeah. I, I heard somewhere or I read somewhere that there's that they're back for preseason. Um, fitness tests and stuff at the end of next week. So yeah. and then then um, and then uh, preseason training starts proper. Then the week after, uh, minus the international. So I would imagine once people get back into the building after the, the breaks that they've had, it'll be easier to get the support staff around, have the conversations they're needed to be had. Maybe have medicals, maybe do medical checks or whatever needs to be done, and then try and get players out and into the club. Yeah, um, that's kind of how I see it going as well. I think that, yeah, maybe they'll try and get one more in before um, the trip to Australia. Uh, and then Douglas Louise, he seems to be sort of tentatively linked away, doesn't it? How, how do you feel about that one? I was going to say Douglas Louise might be a surprise outgoing. Um, it's, it's a like, um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest here, like, like. He's found the love of his life so far here in Villa at Villa Park, and yeah. she's staying around. So, yeah. like, what's the incentive to move? He's still yeah. going to get game time in Aston Villa next season. Um, it'll be an interesting one. It will be an interesting one. I don't know could the club turn down thirty five million for him, uh, because okay. I spoke about spending money. 
recouping of money, I think, is going to be high on the list, if not this year, next year. I think we can just about get away, get, get away with what we've recouped um, in, in seasons past so far. But I definitely think next season we will be looking to recoup money on players because, you know, if you're 25 men... Uh, squad limit for for a reason because mm. they don't want clubs to, to start overspending and you know Villa don't get into Europe that 25 man squad could be could be populated with a lot more young players than, than than probably we we need or we would we would be used to specifically since we got relegated to the championship so Douglas Louise I don't want him to go I think mm-hmm. he's he's a valuable player um I think that he's been much maligned from playing in a position taking one for the team and I think that's more or less totally commonplace great. now that people believe that no, and and because it is true, um. But yeah. I think that if the if if Mourinho was to come in with thirty five million and above, I think the club would seriously consider it because I think much not as I said that he's a, he's a good player within the club. He's here. He's part of the part of the fabric of the club. Now, I do think he's replaceable, um, and I think he's replaceable for less than thirty five million. But that's the problem. Do you want to have to put pressure on yourself to replace somebody you know can play within your system, mm-hmm. or? Do you back yourself to do that? And it'll be interesting to see what Johan Lange, what uh, Perslow, and what, what the brain trust within the dugout feel about that too. Absolutely. Well, uh, Neil, it's been absolutely brilliant to chat to you. Uh, I honestly feel like I could sit here for weeks on end, just talking. You're just such an interesting I'd love person, to. So, yeah. And, um, but, um, you know, I, I assume most people who've listened to this podcast and watched it on YouTube will know your work and will know where to find you. But for those maybe who haven't, um, would you be able to let us know where we can find everything you do? Yeah, absolutely. So you'll find me on For the Love of Palmer Grab podcast, available on YouTube on any of the podcast platforms, um, wherever you get podcasts. We're the only podcast called For the Love of Palmer Grab podcast. So um, I, there's going to come a day where I know somebody's just going to set one up just to piss me off, just, just so that I can't say that anymore. Um, but... <laughs> So I might have to get, I might have to trademark it or something like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody's got, got, uh, got pomegranate at home and on their list outside of Aston Villa to go in and usurp the podcast name. But uh, yeah, you'll find me anywhere for the Love of Pomegranate podcast on Twitter. I'm at Love McGrath Pod. Um, you know, you'll be able to find me there. And uh, yeah, delighted to interact with any Villa fans or any fans of any club because, you know, football is a universal language. And sometimes you've got people come at you and they say, Things you know you don't know what you're talking about, and then after five minutes of talking to him, you become best mates. And you know things. Yeah. It's 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 not a war out there for any Newcastle United fans. It's not a war out there. You don't need to have <laughs> fake rivalries. Just talk to us as people. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Uh, yeah, absolutely one of the top football podcasts, let alone Villa podcasts, are out there. So strongly recommend you look up. Thank for you the so much. McGraw. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host Frankie Maguire, and thank you once again for joining us, Neil. Thank you very much. And it's goodbye from me. I'll be back with George soon to talk all things Villa. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>